I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is coming off! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here in my attic in Cork. Hope everybody is staying safe and keeping well. Before we kick off today, just a few words to keep our listeners up to speed as to our current situation. You may have heard or read yesterday that due to the unprecedented drop-off in advertising revenue amid the lack of sport during this pandemic, the 42 has unfortunately been forced to scale back its operations to a significant extent. Most of us, myself included, are now working on a part-time basis as we attempt to navigate our way through these choppy and uncharted waters. There's no point in sugarcoating it, really. It's an uncertain time. It's a tough time for all of us on a personal level. And without meaning to sound too pukey, it's probably tougher in the broader context in that the 42 actually means something more to all of us than merely being a place of work. Uh, we're all proud to have played roles in its success over the past decade, which has seen the side evolve from a couple of lads gathered around a shared Windows 95 computer, or at least that's how I imagine it, uh, to what it is today, which is one of the leading sports publications in the country, a massive part of our lives, and hopefully on some level, a part of all of yours as well. Literally none of that success would have been possible without our unique community of readers and in more recent years listeners as well. Uh, the people for whom we cover the events, for whom we write, record, the people from whom we receive the emails and tweets and the feedback that makes this seem like the best job in the world. Trust me when I say that support isn't taken for granted, but now we find ourselves in a situation where we need it more than ever. We sincerely appreciate the people who started to rally behind us yesterday by signing up to become a The 42 member. And if you have the capacity at all to do similar, you can join them and join us at members.the42.ie. It's a fiver a month or 42 euro for the year, and you'll be getting a lot of bang for your buck with all of the member-exclusive podcasts and so many other features. But you'll also be playing a large part in steering The 42 into what we hope will be an even bigger and better second decade in existence. Thanks for bearing with me through that. Now, let's talk rugby. It's episode two in our interprovincial report card series, and Connacht are next out of the hat, so we are delighted to be joined on the line by Bernard Jackman. How are you, Bernard? Good, thank you, lads. Excellent, and Murray Kinsella is here with me, as always, as well. How are things on your end, Murray? Yeah, Grand Gav, um, obviously a tricky week for everyone at the 42 and, and Journal Media, um, but it's been great to get all the lovely messages of support and well wishes from everyone on DMs, on WhatsApp, whatever. People also signing up for the membership, that, that's really kind of blown me away just to see um, how many people enjoy what we do and, and want to support us. So I guess a massive thanks to everyone who's been in touch and who's done that um, and we'll keep plowing on. 100% I would echo that. Uh, might start with yourself, Murray, on Connacht. And they're an interesting case. They seem to be a team that often threaten to rediscover some of their Pro 12 glory, as it was a couple of years ago. And then it's it's kind of a case of one step forward, two steps backwards, be it due to injuries or just a couple of fairly resounding losses that set, uh, tend to set them back. 
what's your sort of general assessment uh, of where they are or where they were this season before all of this went to pot, essentially? Yeah, as with everyone, it's frustrating that we don't get a kind of finale to it to get that kind of conclusive sense of where they were. I mean, everything around Connacht now is a lot more positive. Andy Friend has really changed the culture, the, the mindset up there. The players are really behind him. Um, and I would say it's very different to what it was like under Kieran Keane uh, only a short time ago you look at this season just based purely on the results obviously they're just outside the playoff places in the Pro 14 they're they're fourth in Conference B like seven wins from 13 games not an ideal record Um, and even their running wasn't ideal so they would have been pushing hard for that spot with Scarlets to get into the the playoffs but it, it was by no means um, a done deal they may have ended up in that playoff for Champions Cup and and indeed still may depending on how things work out in the Champions Cup two wins out of six they they beat Montpellier and, and Gloucester impressively I thought um, and they were you know exciting in attack gritty in defence loads of brilliant breakdown turnover moments um, but their waveform wasn't good all season long really <clears throat> excuse me all season long really they they struggled apart from I think they beat Dragons and Ospreys away in the Pro 14 apart from that they lost all their other seven games away. Um, and then obviously the Interpros, as we've probably discussed in this, didn't go particularly well for them. They were hammered, I guess, by Leinster at home in November. And then around Christmas, they had this massive injury toll, like really crippling. And they lost the, the three Interpro games there. That is a big qualifier in that, though. They were really depleted at that time um, and, and playing some really fired up uh, interprovincial rivals so all in all yeah it's 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 very much been up and down in terms of those results couldn't get any consistency going away from home um but yet like speaking to people in there and and around it they're still extremely positive about where they're going and um and the culture and kind of community vibe they've kind of rebuilt over the last couple of seasons so it's certainly not all doom and gloom but not the best season ever at the moment as we look at it yeah, it's funny you mentioned there how uh, even in the circumstances they remain very positive and upbeat. It actually reminded me, Bernard, of a podcast you sent on to me about the San Francisco 49ers uh, around Super Bowl time where I think it was a podcast recorded uh, a couple of years prior when they were in the depths of despair, really, and yet they refused to kind of give in and within a couple of years had completely transformed uh, their franchise and become contenders in that particular championship. Um, so... The positivity on Connick's end, it might be, in a certain sense, difficult to see where it comes from at times, but do you think they can kind of see through this weird spell and come out the other side of it and actually become probably like something resembling the team that they were when they won uh, the Pro 12 and even kick on in Europe as well? Yeah, I think they can. I think um, Andy Friend is probably one of the real reasons that I believe they can. Um, I just think his style of leadership, um, his openness, his, um, the way he collaborates with his, with his staff, um, the positivity that he seems to be able to find in, uh, in, in everything, even you know, setbacks, um, is really important in a, in a season like this where pretty much everything has, has gone wrong for them. Um, you know, they would have been absolutely delighted that, that Jack Carty you know, broke into the, into, into the international side and then would have been so excited about him coming back from, from a World Cup and you know, and adding to uh, to to their game, and, and unfortunately, you know, it didn't it didn't happen for them. Um, they suffered, as, as Murray said, incredible um, injury crisis, and at a key time, you know. And I think the other provinces sensed blood over Christmas, and and really went after them, and and um, you know, exposed them a little bit, exposed their, their squad depth, 
Um, and I think you know Andy Friend and and his coaches would have been just so looking forward to the a normal end of season to to really salvage something you know um, out of the season and, and show the resilience and quality they have. And now not getting the chance to to do it for the moment will be incredibly frustrating. But um, you know I think he's got a very good coaching staff. I think you know he's got the the local lads Jimmy Duffy, Nigel Carlin who built up a huge amount of experience. Um, you know, I really like Peter Wilkins as a defence coach. I, I spent some time with him when he was at the Queensland Reds. As a, he was a video analyst then, but he's, he's developed into um, being a, you know, a pretty strong defence coach and obviously picking up experience in, in Edinburgh on the way. And then in, in s you know, they have Johnny O'Connor, obviously a local guy, um, you know, but Dave Howard is a, a, a top-class head of s and And, you know, that probably wasn't always the case there that they had the quality in the backroom, you know, Pat Lamb started to to build a, a, a strong backroom team, you know, obviously Conor McPhillips has come through now to be a, you know, an outstanding uh, attack coach in his own right, but he had Dave Ellis doing skills, etc. Um, and now I think when you look at Connacht, you know, they have the backroom staff, they have a very good, you know, head coach in Andy Friend. Um, and the biggest issue now is going to be recruitment. Um, I think because you know, I think their first team are, are excellent and they can go head to head with anybody. Um, the challenge, as we saw, is when they have injuries or international call ups, they don't seem to have the same depth as, as the other provinces. And, and obviously, that's budget related. Um, and, we, you know, we aren't privy to um, the, the playing budget of the four provinces. But, you know, there's absolutely no uh, question that Connacht is, is significantly inferior to the others. And when you make a decision to keep the likes of Bundy, etc., even if it's national contracts and keep your best players, you know, it is very difficult to have that depth, um, you know, throughout your squad. So this off season, you know, or, sorry, this, this period of time with COVID-19, there is going to be incredible value in the, in the, in the player markets. Um, you know, a lot of players are going to get contracts now. Obviously it, it's going to be, you know, IRFU um, led in terms of what foreign players they, they can bring in or, um, or non-Irish qualified, but, it would be great to see Connacht being allowed, I suppose, you know, get some strong backups. I look at Edinburgh, you know, uh, and I, I speak to Richard Cockrell a little bit, and when when Scotland are playing in November or World Cup or, or Six Nations, I mean, he has five or six quality foreign players um, who hold that team together. And, um, you know, I, I think a team like Connacht, uh, you know, could really do with having maybe a little bit extra leeway on that until they get the production line you know, open running to the same level as as maybe Ulster, Munster, or or, or Leinster, um, and maybe need some more investment in that. But um, at the moment, I guess the biggest issue for the coaches is just that lack of depth. Um, and this might be a, an opportunity in a in a crazy market to uh, maybe you know get some value in there if if they're allowed bringing some some non Irish qualified. I think. Just before we touch upon their playing personnel, Bernard, uh, you mentioned the coaching staff there, and it, it probably is the best coaching staff across the board that they've had um, in the professional era. How how long should fans wait before starting to expect that coaching team to start to pay dividends in terms of what they see on the pitch? Like Obviously, these are fairly gradual processes, and you can't necessarily expect people to come in and completely transform things overnight, particularly where... Uh, Andy Friend was sort of picking up from a bit of a lull, really, a post-Pat Lamb lull, if you like. Yeah, I think I think they need to be given, you know, next season at the end of next season have a have a look at it. But um, I think people need to understand 
um, how a lack of a lack of finance, a lack of budget, uh, makes it very difficult for uh, for 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 those coaches. You know, in comparison, um, you know, we expect them now. You know, I think Connacht fans may be spoiled by Pat Lamb um, to a certain extent, winning that uh, you know domestic competition. Um, it's going to be difficult for Connacht to do that. You know, regularly, I'd say if they won one in ten. Uh, that would be a good achievement, and that's not trying to to downplay it. I mean, it's pretty hard to uh, to win the Pro 14 when you're competing with some of the, the top teams in Europe, in us, uh, particularly at the business end of it. But I think I think success for them and this is to qualify for Europe. That's probably uh, overachievement, or or certainly I would say a, a good achievement for them, given how much money they seem to spend on on players and uh, and um, on their day, as I said, they can compete with anybody. But when you over the course of the season, to win to win a trophy or to to qualify for Europe, I think you do have to dive a little bit deeper into your squad depth. And at the moment, I don't think they have enough cover um, in certain areas or enough quality in certain areas to to do better than that. Um, and that's frustrating, as I said, for fans because everyone wants to be in semi-finals, finals. But um, I don't think on a consistent basis at the moment, given what they spend, we should be expecting much more than. Than than that, um, and that's um, yeah, that's how, that's how I see it, and that's obviously difficult. But until until they start to spend a bit more, it, it's going to be harder to 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 achieve more. I mean, look at look at the two Scottish teams, and you know, you know, Edinburgh. Um, obviously, Richard Cockrell's a, a phenomenal coach, um, but I think he's got twenty two internationals in, in a squad. Uh, plus, you know, he's been given the budget to go out and sign, you know, depth in in each position. Even someone like Simon Hickey. You know, the out half was a was a very was an expensive recruit, um, but he's only become a he's not a starter for them every week. He's just someone that is a really reliable squad player. And you know, Glasgow as well, pretty condensed um, squad in terms of the quality of international players being able to bring back the only Nakawara, etc., um, and have a, a team full of a squad full of Scottish internationals. So that's what you're competing with. And um, you know, I think Connacht. As I said, uh, under day can can beat any of them, but just what's holding them back a little bit is that uh, depth further down in in their squad. Murray, would you agree with that? That depth really is the issue, and there maybe isn't necessarily a conveyor belt behind the the front line players. That say, if you were playing like pro rugby manager two thousand and seven, and you could wheel out your first team week in week out, would that Connacht team be strong enough to compete? And is the issue that that's an unrealistic scenario and you have to have those sort of um, second in line players that uh, sort of tide you over throughout a season and keep the campaign taking over towards sort of playoff contention and the latter stages of European competition. Yeah, absolutely. The first part of that is that they'll hope for a little bit more fortune and luck with injuries. Listen, it's part and parcel of the game. You've got to plan for that and, and be ready for that. But they have been particularly unlucky this year. You even look at, say, Scrum Half where... Marmion and Blade are going to be in contention, you would hope, for, for years to come. But Kieran Marmion obviously missed a big chunk of the season, having come back from his World Cup dejection, and then he gets the injury, and he, you know, he hasn't really got going, and the season's over. So if you have those two guys fit, you've got this incredibly intense and kind of head-to-head battle for one position that not only allows you to have depth, but also improves the performances of both players. Um, and it's a similar situation elsewhere, even... Even players who have actually racked up a good few games have been kind of injury stunted. I think of someone like Matt Healy, who missed three of those Champions Cup games. Um, obviously a key player, <clears throat> excuse me, a key player and a guy who's 
probably the best finisher in Ireland almost I would imagine when he's fully fit but just maybe a couple of injury kind of stunts where his form and momentum is just um, slowed down so they'll hope for fortune on that front but I agree totally agree with Bernard that's the big challenge for them now is is to build that depth and, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the market for them they're losing for me they're losing their best player in Colby Fenger this summer he's going to Leon a guy who was um, player of the season players player of the season rather last year and has made a really big impact like very complete rugby player I think you could play him in midfield but he does such a good job in the back row definitely punches above his weight he's not the biggest guy but he hits hard he's really aggressive he can link he can offload pass uh, break down turnovers and everything so he's a big a big loss for them um, and how they both replace him in terms of hopefully getting a, a kind of big actually big would be good I think they need a big ball carrying back row it would help them have a bit of ballast in the in the ball carrying department but but also in terms of bringing in fresher faces to supplement what they already have the quality they already have in the squad and definitely to bridge that gap like you're going through the the kind of younger guns in the squad and, and there's definitely talent in Connacht and I think they'll be excited about getting some of their own players through but it's not quite you know, there's not a long list of players who are definitely going to be ready to play for the the senior team next season. So I agree with Bernard. It, it feels like a bit of an opportunity. Not that you want to take that kind of cynical look at things now, but there are going to be a lot of players, like decent uh, players, out of contract in this off season. And Connacht need to be really smart. They haven't announced anything. <clears throat> excuse me. They haven't announced anything just yet. But I'd imagine they're working quite feverishly to to get that squad depth. On the, on the yeah, recruitment. Uh, sorry, Gavin. I think. Just to come across um, uh, on Murray's point, I think it's no secret that they have been actively looking for a number eight, um, a big ball carrier number eight uh, for the last um, the last four or five months. You know, there's definitely was rumours that they um, they were going to sign the the Cheetahs number eight, um, or maybe had signed them. Uh, that was the talk about about two months ago, and obviously hasn't been announced yet. But sometimes these things are done um, a long time before before they're announced. But I do I do think they're lacking that. You know, destructive ball carrier. I think they've got a lot of really skillful forwards, um, really good forwards technically. But sometimes, just when it, when the game tightens up, they just lack a little bit of ballast and and uh, ballast. And um, you know, there's definitely that's that's the one area of the squad um, that you could say, you know, they they probably need to go foreign and and um, and bring somebody in with a different profile to what they already have. Yeah, to- totally agree, and and it's. It's great to hear if that is going to be the case. The, the sense certainly was that the RFU were going to give them that bit of leeway, um, and it's needed. Like you, you do look at those back row options. Lots of good players there. The likes of Butler, who has been playing number eight, but is he really a number eight? I think he's more of a kind of smart flanker who's been filling in in that role. The likes of Paul Boyle, McKeown, Killing Gallagher. Lots of different skill sets there, but not quite that traditional. Um, big unit at eight who's going to get you that gain line consistently so that would be a, a massive boost for him I think um, and then would allow hopefully the younger guys even someone like Sean Masterson who got a couple of caps this season owns younger brother um, allow him to develop that um, awareness and familiarity I guess with, with senior rugby and, and grow into it so that's going to be a big uh, part of it for them um, and then just as I say getting those kind of key players the likes of Cardi Marmion um, having a kind of long, consistent season, hopefully free of injury, um, and they'll have a pretty good squad to work with. Yeah, them. like uh, as allowing for the fact that um, there could be a sprinkling of talent uh, brought in from abroad, and that there are young players that may be capable of stepping up within the squad at the moment. Closer to home, then, in terms of recruitment, Bernard, say at a schools level, 
it's been probably leveled at Munster certainly over the last few years that they might not have been getting as much as they could have out of that school system and even out of the club system and that's probably started to change um, certainly the interpretation now of that young crop of players that you've spoken about on the podcast before uh, seems to be that they're they're quite a talented group and several of them are capable of going on and, and having a, an impact for Munster on senior level um, when you look at the Connacht school system and the clubs out that direction what needs to be done or is there something that can be done for that to become a more uh, I suppose productive uh, or sorry more more uh, effective production line in terms of their recruitment closer to home yeah I think I think they are doing a decent job I think it's in a far better place um, than it was um, you know seven eight nine years ago um, probably still lacking a little bit of of depth is uh, it's kind of similar to the senior squad, just probably not enough numbers of of, of quality schools playing. Um, and, you know, at the club teams there, you know, they're definitely struggling a little bit, um, particularly in the UBL, um, to, you know, to be up at the top divisions. Um, so it is, it is a difficult task. I mean, you've got great people working there. I mean, Nigel Carlin and Jimmy Duffy have come through that system in terms of the academy. Um, and they have over the last five or six years found some good talent, some some local and some bought in from from other provinces, and um, you know I do think that there's definitely uh, an eye from all the other provinces on on effectively the Leinster system and 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 trying to pick up players who who miss out um, miss out in, internally in Leinster. I know I think the the way the 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 battle lines are that Leinster have to um, decide by April you know who out of sub academy are going to get full academy contracts, and and from there. Um, the other provinces are then allowed come in and and and, and try and I suppose um, entice the uh, the others um, to to come to their provincial academies. And these guys are still very young. I mean, they're they're eighteen, nineteen, so there's still time to fully, I suppose, um, immerse them in in the Connacht way or the Munster way or the Ulster way. And um, you know, we it's no secret that the numbers game in in, in Leinster is. Um, is very is very much favoured towards um, producing more players. So I think obviously you know Eric Elwood etc. will be looking at their own system, but I think the short term or medium term probably fastest solution is to is to come in and take um, the players that they believe Connors believe they need or or the position they need or um, or, or talent that they see that maybe Leinster don't um from there and and uh give them an opportunity to to go through their system and and play professional rugby it seems to be widely accepted now that that will be the case that leinster will be a de facto feeder for the other provinces who will also uh do recruitment more locally their own recruitment but um and like population is often cited as the reason as well as there being several fee-paying schools uh they can afford better infrastructure maybe better coaches but why do you think it's become so prevalent now bernard versus even say 10 years ago when the population of leinster proportionate to the other provinces would have been as huge and those fee-paying schools were still accepting fees at the time like what what has changed uh, in that dynamic i think there's a been a real focus i think the leinster the leinster academy and the leinster academy staff have have done an incredible job of identifying talent throughout the whole province, and and um, I mean, you know, there's there's Leinster summer camps uh, which aren't the commercial end of it. The, um, 
the high performance end of it, uh, where they basically bring the the best, you know, under 14s, 15s, 16s, etc., up to camp over the summer for maybe you know three or four weeks into uh, and and lockdown in somewhere like Terenure, um, where all the coaches from the academy take uh, spot sessions and. and um, you know, Trevor Hogan is basically his job, the former Munster and, and Leinster second row. His job is, is to have a real clear understanding of of where the next generation is coming from. And it's not just private schools. Um, the private schools get most of the um, the kudos, but they're actually, you know, putting a huge amount of, uh, of time in um, in regional centres. I mean, the, the, the Leinster Academy have built a new, sub-academy have built a new gym in Donnybrook, um, the old gym um, has been put down, has moved down to Nace Rugby Club, where you know the Leinster S and C um, coaches send down coaches. I think it's on a Monday and Wednesday night to run S and C blocks for for the players who come from Nace, Kildare, uh, Newbridge, Clane, etc. In that region, so they can come and get you know twice a week, you know, a quality S and C program to fit in with their training with their clubs on a, on a Tuesday, Thursday. So, you know, there's been huge focus on trying to I suppose open up um, the avenues and, and find you know new talent and, and some of them you know the majority of them are coming through the school system but some of them some of them go into some of the private schools a little bit later and some of them are through scholarships and some of them are just um, you know the parents and, and the kids looking to, to get a more rugby into them but um, it's, it's 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 just a numbers game really and also to be honest the the close relationship and the kind of um, the plan and, and the cohesive relationship that Leinster seem to have with the schools, yes, for sure, and that's obviously a, a very strong feeder. Um, but also, I think they've done a great job of, of branching out. So when you put all those together, I mean, I, I was helping Newbridge out a little bit um, SCT this year. Just uh, it's my old school. I was giving Johnny Murphy the coach a, a little bit of a dig out, and we did a session one. One uh, Wednesday, one Wednesday morning in, in Donnybrook in the back pitch, it was during midterm, and on the front pitch there was I think seventy eight kids um, who'd already been knocked out of the cup or came through the club system, um, who were basically taking part in a in a in a morning training session and an afternoon trial match, and you know like I I got to look at some of that game and, and some of the quality that was there, and it, that was that was a quarter that was a quarter final stage, so there was still um, a lot of teams and obviously a lot of players who weren't eligible to go for that trial because they were playing in the cup and yet you had 78 you know what I saw has been you know really talented really well drilled uh, young 16, 17, 18 year olds you know fighting to try and get a, a spot on the, on the Leinster 18s or, or 19s um, which is no guarantee to be in an academy I mean just that level I don't think you know there's no doubt none of the other provinces have, would have that level of depth um, and you know, I, I I think that that's probably until until the others can improve, um, and they'll probably never get to the same level because of numbers. But um, it makes sense to go and, and look at what Leinster aren't picking, um, and seeing you know are those kids better than what you have in your own system? Obviously, if they're not better, um, you stick with what you have lo- uh, locally. But the challenge is, you know, if you're not bringing in talent. Uh, year on year um, you're going to get left behind yeah Murray provinces like Connacht might never get there in terms of the sheer numbers that Bernard is talking about there 
but can they be doing more in terms of talent identification in terms of widening widening their own net and i'm asking that not necessarily like um in a critical sense but i'm wondering are the resources actually there in order for them to be able to do that to something resembling what leinster are able to do yeah gav there's there's always more you can be doing um i think conic would say that themselves and and they'd love probably more resource even from rfu there are people in that trevor hogan role in the other provinces as well trying to identify and work with players from as young an age as, as possible and I, I think Connacht probably aren't really missing any the population factor is a huge part of it Bernard's point about um, the players who miss out on, on the Leinster Academy going elsewhere potentially is, is a really brilliant one because it, we're already seeing the successes in that regard someone like Paul Boyle who we mentioned a little bit earlier on he's a, he's a great example of it he missed out on the Leinster full academy having been involved in the sub academy he was really hungry to be a professional rugby player and Connacht um, gave him his opportunity now he's a, a member of the senior squad and really impressing and showing his ability um, so there is that avenue there you've seen it even with Ulster, a couple of guys even down in Munster, you think of Owen Clark in the academy there. There's there's numerous examples, and I think it's really good to see because the the top of the funnel in, in Irish rugby is so small. Like Leinster is a, a big province with so many talented young rugby players, and, and only a, a small number of them can, can squeeze through. Now, some guys definitely have to realise, okay, rugby maybe is not for me, but there are plenty of talented players who maybe develop slightly later, slightly later or in a different way um, who will thrive given the opportunity um, in another province. On top of that, an, an interesting guy I suppose at the moment in the Connacht Academy is Oren McNulty who people probably saw for the under-20s this year, the fullback. Um, he's one who came from the Exiles an IQ rugby programme and he's now in his second year I think with the Connacht Academy and looks like a really good talent. He'll hopefully get opportunities next year um, in the back three. So, yeah, they definitely need to really keep con- focusing on that homegrown, the players from within Connacht, absolutely not missing out on any of them, which I, I really don't think they are. And then supplementing that with, I guess, that reality of professional rugby. It, it is changing at academy level across the board. You're seeing people even look outside their own um, their own home shores for, for players. Edinburgh, prime example, and, and Munster have done as well with, with young South Africans coming over into the academy. And, and that's the reality of the game as well. You you absolutely want to defend and retain that that provincial pride and sense of identity of, of homegrown players being so integral to it. But um, you've got to supplement it and, and be realistic about it. So I think Connacht are, are probably going to do both those things. I, I'd prefer to see that happen um, where you know the other provinces, you know, target players that Leinster don't choose to put into their academy than the compulsory movement of players that have made it, you know, later on. Um, I just think that, you know, if someone, if one, if one of the other provinces get a, get a, a young player from, from the Leinster system at, at 18, 19 and, you know, bring them through their academy and, and bring him into professional rugby um, and give him his opportunity, I think there's a far better chance that, you know, he could become a, a one province player uh, and, you know, really ingrain themselves in, in, in that provincial system. Whereas, um, you know, the, the compulsory movement of, of, of players later on um, enforced by there a few, I think that's, that's maybe harder to take. You know, I, um, I, I'd be much more in favour of, you know, Leinster, reward Leinster by who, who are doing a great job in terms of developing players. They obviously have the, um, the unique um, demographic, but, you know, once they make a decision then around their academy, um, that it should be open season for for the rest of the provinces to to, to target the other ones. As I said that they don't feel they feel they're better than what they have, and then 
you know, from there, hopefully within the next two or three years, um, you know, they become, uh, you know, part of the of, of the province that they join and, and you know, they can you know, really buy into it and, and because, as I said, become, you know, hopefully star players for that province and, and help them bring success. Murray, on a tactical front then, and in relation to the game plan that we've seen Connacht deploy under Andy Friend, uh, what has he or what have he and his support staff brought to the table there in terms of Connacht's approach? Uh, what have what has changed since the albeit brief keen era, and how different is it to what they were doing under Pat Lamb when they did have that sort of apex, I suppose, in terms of performance over the last well over the professional era, really? Yeah, I think there's certainly more balance to the game than comparing with the Pat Lamb era. I think when Connacht open up and attack, people probably make that that fairly straightforward comparison and think, oh, this is a kind of harking back to those days. But, I mean, you look at the numbers of times that Jack Carty kicks, and this is a, a big part of French philosophy. He talks about players' weapons and backing their, their real strengths. Uh, Carty, obviously, is a brilliant tactical and attacking kicker so he's been back to use that ability and, and you're seeing them kick quite a bit in some games they're they're very focused on that territory um, and if the space is there they'll, they'll go to that so I think there's a, a nice variety to their game they still do look to play with that high tempo attack I think Nigel Carlin's done brilliant work there some really nice stuff off set piece when they've got a good platform um, with the likes of Thornbury and Rue being fit in the second row and Delan probably coming back into form this season as well um, supplying that kind of ball and, and they've and they've thrived when they've had that um, as well as being like that's the thing that's the reason we're talking about that number eight you still have to have that directness in, in your attack and that and that ball carrying ability it's really important I think someone who's probably added that quite a bit has been Peter Robb this season who's been fit he's 25 now and, and he really looks to be maturing as a player he, obviously a massive physical unit um, he's carrying really well but he's working on that offloading and passing game and I think he's one who can really build on from here so I think Friend's been quite open-minded in I guess getting the players to, to identify their weapons as he calls them um, and then and then backing those within the within the team. So it, it is quite a, a varied style of play. I think that suits them uh, defensively. Peter Wilkins, I agree with Bernie, he's done a really good job, and and they've got loads of tempo even in their defense as well. Players working to their feet really quickly, getting a really good um, energy in their defense as well. So the component parts are there. The the coaching quality is there, um, and when the, the pack is on form, their their mall is good. Jimmy Duffy's shown that he can organize that side of the game as well um it's just a case of consistently stringing that all together you sound like you're impressed by friend bernard in a general sense have you been impressed by what you've seen him implement on a tactical level and what he is probably trying to implement once he gets something resembling a, a full complement together and even maybe can add in terms of uh, some of those potential recruitments we were talking about earlier yeah, yeah. i think he's been, i think he's been excellent i i, I had i suppose I heard quite a bit about him before um i've worked with some People who've who had him in Harlequins um, and um, also had him when he was in, in Stad for a little while. Um, I think he builds a very strong relationship with it, with his players. I mean, um, players you know ten years later will still speak um, really highly of them, and and uh, he leaves a mark as a person with them. Um, and I think tactically, I think um, you know he empowers 
you know, the likes of Jimmy and Nigel and, and Peter, um, and lets and he, he mentors them in a, in a quite a you know a strong uh, strong way, um, and he protects them and he looks after them and he allows them, I suppose, develop. So I think he's been he's been excellent. Um, I definitely think you know you know how Connacht want to play. I just think sometimes you know he takes certain personnel out. Um, it's obviously not as effective, and that's that that's the same for for most teams, bar Leinster. I think so. Um, they're not unique in that, but I, I do think tactically they're very smart. And um, I think the more time that they spend together as coaches, with a little bit of um, of a boost in terms of player quality, uh, they will be yeah they'll they'll be a really good side, and, and they'll give their fans lots of good days. And one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the uh, plans is obviously to redevelop the sports ground. I think it was around the region of thirty million euro what are the tangible benefits to something like that bernard when we hear of things like centers of excellence and uh, high performance centers um it sounds good in theory uh, but maybe people don't necessarily understand why it is so good and how it might uh, improve uh, a, a team's general uh, existence really yeah i think there's lots of different aspects to it one from from a training point of view um, there's obviously that feel good factor and feeling like you're part of a of a really elite organisation who are, are, I suppose, providing the the facilities that you need to get better, and that that's across that's in terms of space, that's in terms of of indoor areas, that's in terms of um, equipment. Um, uh, also, I suppose it's the number of players you can you can bring through that, um, and that that means it's not just your your senior team getting to use it; it's your it's your pathway system uh, and you know, if we get those players to come in, those youngsters to come through that and, and aspire to being to being part of a senior squad squad in the future, there's obviously the recruitment aspect. You know, you you bring someone over um, and that you want to recruit, and you show them around, and they see a, a quality um, facility and environment. Um, it's going to help you recruit them. And then I, I think the biggest factor for Connacht is is the is improved stadium. You know, with obviously you know. Being able to put more bums on seats, being able to do more corporate hospitality, being able to look after um, your sponsors better, which is going to drive the revenue um, back into into the playing squad and and obviously into your development. So it's it's that's what's the most important thing for them. I mean, um, you know, the crowd numbers, season tickets, etc., are going up um, in the sports ground year on year. But when you look at the stadium, it's um, obviously they have a little bit over there in the in the Greyhound uh, stand. Um, but realistically, it's it's not um, a stadium that's you know ideal for looking after corporate hospitality and sponsors, and that's unfortunately you know where the the big money is is is, is earned for uh, to feed the rest of your of your rugby program. So that's going to be huge for them, I think. And um, you know, I think that's when they get that, you know, I think their budget internally will start to they'll internally be able to drive more revenue. Um, and not be as reliant probably on on the RFU, where that's um, and that's where the other provinces are are a step ahead. Um, obviously, you know Ravenhill or the Kingspan Stadium, you know the RDS as it is is pretty decent, but that's going to get better. And you know Tomond is uh, Tomond Park is is a phenomenal facility. So on the big days, they can really I suppose you know make sure that they maximise their profits. Um, from those whereas Connacht are a little bit left behind yeah a lot of these questions Murray have been tinged with um, uh, I suppose uh, inquiries as to how Connacht might improve but it's probably one of the things that shouldn't be overlooked is the fact that season tickets are are going up that there have been so many 
special evenings and afternoons in the sports ground over the course of the last probably five, six years, more than we've seen previously. And how well the province or how well people working for the province on a rugby side of things have managed to engage the community of the west of ireland where it's not uh, just about people from galway necessarily it really is the whole province suddenly within the space of really a decade buying into what they're trying to do yeah absolutely and they're, they're dragging in new kind of audiences and also new players um, it was interesting recently enough I was talking to Colin de Butler who's from the Gaeltacht and, and is now in the academy there he's been really unlucky he snapped his Achilles and hopefully will get another chance to prove himself when he's back fit next season but it's exciting for them to have even players coming from an area like that and, and on the back of that obviously the whole his whole village on Karuru is extremely proud and engaged with it all and coming to matches and all the players want to be part of it and can can see that pathway now. That's massive in any province, and um, I think that's really encouraging for them. I totally agree. They've done a really good job, even on the, I suppose, PR front in in terms of building that brand of Connacht rugby and and include including everyone in the province. That is a huge part of it, um, and it is a great place to go. I love going down to the sports ground for matches. I know people are interested in the cuisine. They give uh, great sambos down there, actually. So uh, shout out to their catering staff but uh it is a very enjoyable place to go there's such a fervent passion for the province obviously not the biggest stadium yet um but the connor clan terrace when it gets going is just raucous you know you have these little the the bench like press bench up at the back of that little um terrace it's really great place to watch a match the atmosphere is so good and and there is real pride and passion in in the province and a real will for it to grow and, and push on um and the training center is a massive part of that in in terms of even the stadium in terms of having a, a place that is real kind of pride of, of the province and, and draws even more supporters in as well as in, in enticing players in as well when they have a look and check out their options and they see that Connacht have this um, state-of-the-art training centre rather than, you know, a, a really mucky pitch out the back and a, and a gym that they're making the best of at the moment. It's certainly more attractive in that sense as well. But it does feel like it's it's growing. It's on the right path. Like long gone are the days where there was rumours of Connacht being, you know, disbanded, and that's not even uh, not been a consideration for years and years at this stage. It's it's a ma- it's a massive club now with a really loyal following um, around the whole province. So that's been a brilliant side of of the development off the pitch, and and it definitely looks like that's continuing to move in the right direction. For sure, yeah, and if. If Leinster have expanded their net in terms of player recruitment and we've seen Munster probably do something similar over the last couple of years when you think of the likes of Jack O'Donoghue coming from Waterford of all places. Um, Bernard Connacht have done that on a sort of a supporters level. Do you think that then when there is a sort of a buy-in from a wider community in the province that we will see down the line some kind of a tangible benefit in terms of players and the development of players uh maybe player like you know just for an example more players coming from counties like leitrim or roscommon which wouldn't necessarily be rugby strongholds oh yeah without a doubt and i'm sure there's been there's great work um being done you know at the moment there and and um, it just just takes uh you know one or two to um, to start it off, and you know, Leinster obviously had like the likes of Sean and uh, and Tyke Furlong being you know two of the higher profile, um, I suppose non traditional routes, and and obviously Munster now are starting to um, to to show real signs, you know, with West Cork and as you mentioned, Tom Ahern, etc. So um, it 
it will happen. The work has started um, in, in all areas of, of Connacht, um, and it's just a case of finding you know the right the right athlete and, and um, you know the guy who who has the the hunger and desire and and the, and the skill set and the mentality to to come through. But I I have no doubt that over the next four and that's what you want. You want you know we have we have said all you know the easiest place to get talent is. Is, is Leinster, but what you want to have, um, as I said, that's for me. That's only if the talent there is better than what's coming through your own system. And, and you know, an ideal scenario, um, the other academies are have have local stock of, of players coming through um, that are as good um, at the, at that time or have more potential than than what's elsewhere. Um, and you know, there there would be a real strong plan in place and. A lot of hard work being done yet, but just in Connacht, it hasn't. There hasn't been as many high-profile uh, success stories yet, but I'm sure they're there. Starting with yourself, Murray. Then before we sign off, if I was to ask you for one thing that you would like to see Connacht um, to implement or improve in, in order to sort of kick on for next season and sort of get to that level that we were talking about, where at least they're nearly dead certs to be in the Champions Cup every year, and look at trying to navigate their way beyond the pool and, and maybe uh, plunge in towards the latter stages of that competition. Is there one thing you could point to that would allow them to put their best foot forward in that regard? Yeah, that's a limiting uh, number. But I'll, I'll say, I'll go back maybe to three that, things. That big ball carrier in the back row. I think that is a, a key part of what they're going to try and bring on the pitch. That'll be a massive addition. But there, listen, realistically, there are so many other parts to it. They have um they have a lot of brilliant players. We should mention that there's a, there's a lot of guys who've had really good seasons. John Porch is one who's come in from the Aussie Sevens program and is really impressed. I thought Dave Heffernan obviously getting back into the Ireland squad, like realizing his potential. I think at 29, he's not a kid anymore. He looks focused and athletically excellent. The three second rows I mentioned, Thornbury, Rue, and and Delan, they're three top level second rows. And if they have them all fit at the time, it's ferocious competition. Thornbury, I think, is one to really keep an eye on. He's been very unfortunate with injuries at the wrong time. Has been kind of in and around those Ireland squads a couple of times under Joe Schmidt. Uh, really talented, rangy, mobile player. And, and definitely one, if he can stay injury-free, who's I think can push on to that next level. Even someone like Tierno O'Halloran, he's 29 now, an important leader, obviously. But I thought he had an excellent season. More aggressive than ever, really strong defensively. And you get Marmy and Carty back. It was a really interesting season, we should mention, with Jack Carty because he went to the World Cup and he's admitted himself he struggled after that to, to get back up to top form of Connacht for quite an extended period. The real shame is that just before the season finished, he was really coming back into form and looked really confident. That kicking skill was really evident again. Marmion, as I mentioned, was, was also back um, competing as well, as well. So they have all these really good players that, formed the core of the squad and a couple of the young guns we've seen the likes of Connor and Stephen Fitzgerald they're what 22 and 24 now and they've they've shown their ability obviously unlucky with injuries as well um, even Niall Murray 20 year old second row who has obviously massive physical development still ahead of him but he's clearly a talent and, and there are other guys there who hopefully can push on through so there is a nice foundation there but I think supplementing that with at least one kind of top tier player who's going to make your starting 15 better and then a couple of guys who, who build that depth That'll be um, really, um, I think, beneficial to the province uh, to go on top of all the other stuff that's that's positive that we've mentioned. What about you, Bernard? I won't limit you to one. Um, not that it necessarily mattered there with Murray's very detailed answer. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. I, I, I shouldn't limit you, Murray. I need to uh, allow you to peacock. Um, but Bernard, in, in, uh, in your mind, 
what would you like to see them do? What sort of, I guess, feasible or tenable for them to do in the interim, particularly during this uh, period of downtime? Collective training, obviously, is, is going to be difficult, but, um, you know, just a little bit of time to actually take stock of things and think of things. And obviously, uh, their coaching staff will have been doing that anyway. Is there anything that you could point towards as uh, potentially having the capacity to kick them up a couple of notches next season? I think, yeah, it's, it's recruitment, to be honest. I think, I think, um, I, I know a lot of the players down there and, and um, they are very well coached at the moment and um, across all aspects um, I mentioned S&C but medically as well um, you know they're really well looked after so I don't think they're going to get massive improvements out of that but um, and it's it's terrible to be talking about you know I suppose capitalising on a on a crisis but this is probably a once in a lifetime hopefully um, opportunity to to recruit um for for less money better players than you ever have before um and i, I do believe that's the that's what's holding them back at the moment is 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 that that squad strength and um you know i would say that for for bang for your book for most improvement i'd be getting all my coaches um studying tape and 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 looking um at the, at the market which is changing every day i mean more players are coming on the market um, daily at the moment because uh, some of the clubs in England uh, and France are, are paying off players um, at the moment rather than actually let them see out their contracts uh, because obviously there's a tax tax benefit for both on, on that so um, and, other, and other clubs are, are releasing players are freeing them up who were under contract um, because of obviously the, the market and, and the reduced revenues they're likely to have next year so um, I would say, and I'm sure they're they're doing it, but um, you know, for Connor to really move on, if they could get two or three really good buys, and and you know, they, I think a friend has shown, you know, I agree with um, with Murray on on, on porch, um, he's been an excellent recruit, you know, and, and those sevens um, players don't necessarily always make it; it's a bit of a gamble. Um, but obviously, friendy knew him really well, and and and, and he's been brilliant, and, and even. Jared Butler and Fianga weren't high-profile, um, expensive recruits at the time. You know, and McCart- Tom McCarthy back in the day under Pat Lamb wasn't really either, but he was an absolute key guy for them. So uh, I would say be able to bring in three or four players under the radar um, in terms of profile maybe or, or international honours, but could be um, really valuable to the next year. 100%. Bernard, thanks a million for joining us, and we'll catch you again soon, no doubt. No worries, lads. Take it easy. Stay well in the meantime. And Murray, thank you as well. We will uh, regroup for part two of our memorable game series for the 42 members on Monday, I think. Yeah, looking forward to that. We're talking about maybe doing the Monster Miracle match, which would be good crack, I think. Absolutely. Anybody who was there, be sure to get involved. Uh, fire us an email. Or if, or if you're already a member of the 42 and you're in the WhatsApp group, you know where to find us. Uh, once again... To everybody who signed up yesterday, to everybody who has signed up so far, uh, we sincerely appreciate your support in what is a, a difficult time for us all. I don't think there's any point in sugarcoating it. We appreciate it as well, by the way, that uh, it's obviously a difficult time for a lot of you people out there, whether it's um, concern for family members or friends, elderly people in your lives, or even concerns for yourself. Most of us are cooked up at home. Um, and it's uh, it's a trying time. Make sure you try and Zoom your friends or house party or whatever the hell the kids are doing these days and just look after yourselves. Get out, go for a walk, two kilometres. It can do the world of good. Mind yourselves in the meantime. We'll catch you again on Monday and then if you're not at the 42 member yet, 
uh, we will catch you again certainly next Thursday until then take it easy I don't think we've met before but I'm the referee on this field if you're working as an accountant and you lose your job nobody really notices Leinster could offer me five mil a year I wouldn't go <laughs> Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello! Oh!